hemorrhagic stroke can be devastating. But what happens to the brain in a hemorrhagic stroke? And what can you do perhaps to make it safer for your patients when you diagnose issues and you treat them? Hi, I'm Dr. Brian McDonough, and welcome to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. My guest today is Dr. Annalisa Shimami. She's at the University of Albany. She's a biophysicist, and she and her team of researchers are studying the receptors in the brain that may contribute to brain damage immediately after hemorrhagic stroke. First of all, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Let's talk just in general about, for our physician audience and for other healthcare providers, what happens in a hemorrhagic stroke? Uh, if you could just break it down and explain. Yeah, I mean, uh, in general, we define a hemorrhagic stroke uh, as uh, an event uh, caused by the rupture of a blood vessel. So somehow you have blood where you wouldn't like it to be. And uh, the tissue around the blood vessels uh, in the brain uh, is important because uh, it's what allows us uh, to form memories and just be who we are in our daily lives. So when that happens, what are the risk factors for it? Well, there's a number of risk factors from a clinical standpoint. One of the most obvious is high blood pressure, hypertension, and so on and so forth. But we like to study stroke probably at more of a molecular level as opposed to a clinical level. And that's exactly what we did in our work. When you examine it at the molecular level, what are some of the things you see? Well, some of the things that we see are changes in the anatomy of the brain. And it's impressive because these changes take place in a short amount of time. A change for us is a change at the scale of a nanometer. And just to give you a little bit of a sense of how much that would be is 1,000 of a micron, or if you want, one millionth of a millimeter. So tiny, tiny changes, but they carry a lot of weight when it comes to the function of the brain. And when these things happen, um, how do you measure the changes and where the damage occurs, why, and, and what it leads to? So we are electrophysiologists, so we uh, measure these uh, by performing recordings uh, of the electrical activity of cells uh, within the brain. And what we find uh, is that uh, these changes impair the efficacy of synaptic transmission. In other words, uh, neurons in the brain communicate by releasing chemicals. And after stroke, the communication doesn't happen anymore. It's as if someone was trying to make a phone call, but there wasn't anyone else at the other end of the line to pick up the phone call. Is it a scarring that occurs, like with the heart, or is it just that it just doesn't have a way to get from one cell to another? restructuring. So I wouldn't call it a scar from what we have seen, but it's like rearranging the cards on a table. Things change and these processes of cells are in new places where they didn't used to be. Trying to take this to a real world level for clinicians, yeah. when someone suffers a stroke and they start to show improvement over time, either with rehab or a week or two later, things get better. What's happening in those situations with the cells? Probably there, there are forms of plasticity. In other words, the brain realizes that something isn't as it used to be and tries to reorganize everything to restore the function as well as it can. I think depending on the damage, the effort can be more or less rewarding. How long has this science been going on? Has this been like couple years, 10 years, 20 years? When do we start to understand these things and look at it at the level you are? So in general, I think worldwide, it's an ongoing effort. In my particular case, I would say it's uh, probably now four years because uh, four years ago, I started my own lab. And so that's when probably these research efforts started really 
making uh, a difference, I would say. This is Dr. Brian McDonough. You're listening to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. Our guest is Dr. Annalisa Shimami. She is at the University of Albany, and she's a biophysicist, and she and her team of researchers are looking at receptors in the brain and looking at how brain damage may occur after hemorrhagic stroke. And it's interesting when you talk about the brain, we take it for granted for obvious reasons, but there's there's so much going on there just to have just a normal thought and uh, you know, to move your arm. All those things are literally so complicated. By studying at the level you do, does it really reinforce that? Are you pressed or do you now start to take it for granted? No, I'm always amazed because, uh, yes, there's so much that needs to happen uh, at the right place and the right time to make us do, again, everyday activities. So it's amazing at how perfectly everything works. So I share that feeling. What are some of the things we should do to have a healthy brain? You see it at the microscopic level, literally. What should we be doing in our life to keep those cells working the way they should and kind of staying in the best condition they could be? I think one suggestion that I would give uh, is uh, use it uh, to the best of your abilities. And when I say use it, it's probably challenge it. Uh, Don't do things routinely. Try to be creative in your daily lives. Uh, It would definitely allow your brain to be much more plastic. Are there things we do that damage the plasticity, drinking or eating poorly? Are there things that really impact it? There are definitely risk factors, and so these are probably the ones that we hear about a lot of times, so definitely drinking, smoking, and so on and so forth, and lack of exercise. Those in the long run are things that affect every single piece of our bodies, including the brain. Things that specifically attack the brain, what would you say? I wouldn't say that some of these habits attack specifically the brain. I like to think of the brain as a part of you know, a much more complex machine. When you talk about dementia, and I mean, I'm not going to go too far afield, but when you talk about dementia, we talk about you know, Alzheimer's, we talk about also multi-infarct dementia, those things. When you examine and study the brain in those situations or you've read studies about it, are we any closer to finding out what's going on than we were maybe five years ago? Definitely, I think over those type of timescales, the progress is being made. But unfortunately, we haven't really reached the target. So there's, uh, there's still the need uh, to dedicate ourselves uh, to those studies. Dr. Annalisa Shamami is our guest, and we're talking about the brain. She's doing work with hemorrhagic stroke and brain damage. From what you're doing in the four years and the research, what are some of the things that you're learning that may impact care or even with that understanding ways to change the way we're treating people after a hemorrhagic stroke? I think uh, is that we can approach uh, these diseases from different angles. So, for example, our work uh, doesn't uh, allow us to prevent strokes, uh, but it allows us to deal with the aftermath, uh, so with the cognitive impairment that can be caused uh, by a hemorrhagic stroke. So I think uh, that's what we learn, that we should probably put ourselves in different positions uh, and try to attack the disease from different perspectives. So the big thing is obviously control your blood pressure, make sure you stay in its best condition as you can to avoid that situation in the first place, I guess is the big issue. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What about the theory that you begin your treatment as quick as you can for rehab? Is that something that still holds water that we should get people 
moving as fast as we can? In general, but I would probably say that I'm uh, the basic scientist, and so probably a clinical person sure. would have uh, much more insights into that. Uh, but you're, what you're saying more is you can see the damage you know, at the cellular level. I understand. Yeah. What other things are we, let's say, in the next few years looking at that we may not know now or things that you're trying to find out any down the road that you, you find maybe exciting about the brain and the cellular makeup? Yeah, I think uh, in general, we should probably be, uh, I think, on the way of visualizing things in the brain, uh, probably with more accuracy, spatial and temporal accuracy. And I think that will bring some exciting uh, news. And our goal is always to, you know, improve uh, early diagnosis. Uh, I hope that that will, uh, again, uh, make us feel in a much better position a few years from now. Dr. Shamami, I'm afraid we're starting to run out of time. I wanted to ask you, though, one other question. Is there anything that we didn't talk about that you thought was important to bring up in this conversation? Because we've covered a lot of ground in a short period of time, but is there anything that you wanted to add? Probably step a little bit away from uh, the clinical side, uh, but I would uh, share with you how important it is just to study the brain and how fascinating it is and challenging so I would encourage uh, everybody just to keep uh, their interest awake. Would you say it's one of the last frontiers in the body? I've heard people say that, you know, we understand much less about the brain than perhaps other organs. Do you think that's true or do you think we're catching up fast? I think uh, we have definitely done a significant improvement uh, over the last few years, uh, but uh, there's a lot to be known. Uh, and I feel that we are just really at the surface uh, of something that can uh, bring up new discoveries. Dr. Annalisa Shamami, I want to thank you for joining us on Primary Care today on ReachMD. I really appreciate your taking the time and continue doing great work. Thank you so much for having me. This is Dr. Brian McDonough. If you missed any of this discussion, please visit ReachMD.com slash Primary Care today. You can download the podcast. You can learn more about the series. Thank you for listening and being a part of the knowledge.